Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. As always, the music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you so much, Misha. This week, we are joined by a guest who followed what he thought were the rules of life and did everything he was supposed to. Despite his success in his corporate job, he felt he actually wasn't as free as he really wanted to be. Brokeisnojoke.org was then founded by Josh Zeppis, who started the site to start working with others who also wanted to find their freedom from the rat race. Josh and I had a really thoughtful conversation about life, work, money, personal development, and how it all ties into the matrix. Josh has worked to get to a place where he doesn't succumb to the frustrations of everyday life and generally is able to have a good outlook. As I've stated over and over, my personal goal with all the self-help and personal development stuff I've been exploring is really just to try and feel better more often. Josh is someone on a similar journey who has a very grounded take on how to be happier in life. Without further ado, let's get on to the show with Josh. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Josh Zeppis. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely a pleasure, sir. Glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you again for stopping by. Um, so, Josh, we actually encountered each other at PodFest in Orlando, okay. Florida earlier this year. Seems um, like 100 years ago, man. That's... Isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So I've got a um, – I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And wow, obviously, yeah. he passed away, you know, in, in late January. And that, I mean – man, talk about something seeming like it was a long time ago, you know, like when that happened, it was, you know, it felt like the whole world stopped, at least for someone like me, that's such a huge fan. But um, I I can't even believe that's the same calendar year as. Yeah, I think, I think we've had so much stuff packed into just like three months here. <laughs> right. That all of it, that it, it seems like it's about a decade's worth of information of that we're trying to process still. Right, right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so you know, you're a man of of, of many trades, many talents. Um, so being at Podfest, we'll start there. Do you have a podcast? I do, yeah, and it's actually not even tied to my normal business. It's something I do as a with a partnership with someone else. It's called Odd Places Radio, and it's me and another guy, and we kind of pick a topic and improv on it. Okay, and it's usually life related or feelings or something like that. And the other one person starts with a phrase or a word and then we just go from there for about 10 10 minutes <laughs> oh that's fun yeah um well so yeah so you know i, I kind of spoken to you a little bit ahead of, of of us recording um that really you know here on the walk show i'm just trying to 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 really explore the walk of life and bring a variety of topics and views and and, and just life experiences um for people to to listen to and enjoy it and, and really the only thing that i try and do um is is maintain a very grounded, non-sensationalized position, which I think is somewhat challenging in the in the current climate of things. <laughs> um, it's, everyone wants to be a partisan. Everyone wants to be, you know, pick a team or whatever. Um, but I try and, and just look at things through a lens of, of nuance and, 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 again, not not a sensationalized, you know, what's the most inflammatory thing that we can say. Right. Um, so I say that because... In looking, so you have a, a website, brokeisnojoke.org, um, and I, I was checking out your website and, and you know looking at some of your materials and just who you are, and it it actually struck me as as a very grounded kind of thing, 
um, coming from a very earnest position. So um, I guess, how would you describe the work that you do primarily? Would you describe yourself as a life coach or how, how, how would you define what you do? Boy, I, you know, that's a great question. And that's a term life coach is a term that's just become so cliche. Mm-hmm. And I found, you know, cause I, I've had my own coaches and I still have coaches and I believe in coaching, whether it be life or business or whatever you want to get better. And even Kobe Bryant had multiple coaches, right? That sure. The best of the best always have coaches. Um, but what I found out was most life coaches don't have a life. Mm. And I was like, well, if you don't have a life, how are you going to coach me in how to have a life? And, uh, so I don't use that term. Uh, mm. Um, I always say freedom fighter. I say that's my identity that I, that I gave myself. And, um, I, I think of it that way as in, I fight for people's freedom, but I also, I fight the system that keeps us from being free, which is all the conditioning we go through growing up. But I also fight the people that I'm trying to free, if that makes mm. sense, but out of love in a good way. <laughs> not like, I'm not like sure. punching them or anything. Sure. Uh, sure. So yeah, have you seen Harriet Tubman or have you seen this story? Um, it's, like the Underground Railroad? Yeah, yeah. You, so you've heard of Harriet Tubman, the Underground Railroad, sure. freeing, the, freeing the slaves during the Civil War. Sure. And um, <clears throat> so there's this legend about her that she carried a gun. Mm. And the legend goes that, well, and I asked people, I said, if this legend is true, do you know why she carried a gun? And people are like, well, yeah, of course. You got you know, to shoot the slave owners if they try to stop her. And actually the legend is that she carried the gun so that because sometimes she would try and free somebody who was born into slavery, who didn't know any better. And when she tried to say, hey, come with me to freedom, they got scared and they went to go tell the master. Mm. So she would actually have to shoot her own kind just to prevent, just to keep the movement alive. Wow. And when I, when I read that, I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes we have to be very direct and very truthful and honest with people, even if it hurts them, if it means they get to see the matrix, if it, if it means exposing the truth yeah. that's around them. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of uh, whenever whenever you said that, which we were, again, before we started recording, joking a little bit about the Matrix, but yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I thought of when you said that. I was like, oh, that's just like when Neo tries to free people, or they, not Neo, but they talk about trying to free someone like him, like yeah. Keanu Reeves' character, where if it's too late in life, it can be hard to overcome all of those already preconceived ideas or whatever. And the, and the reason is because of the mind, right? Once the mind mm-hmm. is so set on something, it's that the body will follow. And that's why they, I think they said in the matrix, they rejected the bodies were rejecting the, right. the programming. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 No. So that's, yeah, that's, that, well, so that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting way to kind of, to kind of look at that. Um, and and, it, and, so, and the reason that I started talking about this and talking and, and brought up the, the non-sensationalized view and, and the grounded stuff is just because, it, you know, it's only been for me probably I don't, less than a year. Um, so a few months that I've been on this journey of kind of, you know, again, cliche term, personal development, mm-hmm. um, but trying to, to develop new habits, reading, reading, reading more books on discipline and, and the power of habit. Right. Um, yeah. Th- different things like that. And, and working with a, a life coach myself um, and, and just trying a lot of different things. And um, it can, it, it's interesting, I guess on the one hand, like how far it can seem like you have to go 
but at the same time, how far a person can go in kind of a short period of time. Yeah. Um, and in, and in looking at what you, again, your story, you know, from your site, it just, it seems like, like you made a pretty quick transition and, and quick is probably not the right word. Maybe, <laughs> maybe abrupt is a better word, right? Um, where you were working in this corporate life for a long time and then shifted this new direction. And I, and I want to talk about that, but I, I, what I'm trying to get to is just that in this space of personal development and in this space of, um, you know, <laughs> the ultimate cliche, self-help, right? Yeah. There can seem like a lot of enthusiasm without a lot of substance. And and that's something that I'm still trying to parse through when when reading different things or listening to different people is trying to get to like, well, where's where's actual real honest conversation about this? Not, not advice per se, but just again, like honest thought about it as opposed to just something that's being sold. And, and I felt like that's again, in, in looking at your material, I think that's where it comes from as a place of honesty. So if you wouldn't mind, maybe just, you know, for the audience's sake, what is kind of your journey to how you, you ended up in the position as a freedom fighter yourself, trying to help people out of the, the, <laughs> out of the matrix. So I'll, I'll give you the short version, but let me just make a yeah. quick comment on something you said, because when I did start broke is no joke, but I didn't want it to be was just motivational speaking. Mm -hmm. I saw, I saw a big problem in the motivational speaking industry. And I love these guys, Les Brown and, and Tony Robbins and Darren mm -hmm. Hardy's and all these fantastic stuff, amazing stuff. But here's the thing, you would go to their event and then you would leave feeling like, I don't know if you know Mario Andretti. That's this mm -hmm. is an example I use. Like, you, you feel like you're like the best race car driver in the world and you feel wonderful. And then you go home and you realize your life is a 79 Pinto. And I, and, and I don't care how good of a driver Mario Andretti is. If he's right. trying to win a formula one race, driving a 79 Pinto, it ain't going to happen. It's just not right. possible. So I always say motivation lasts till the parking lot. Like you, you, it, that, it only lasts so long. And then it's got to be put into real terms and someone's got to sit down with you and really, really help you make that transition. Because um, I, what I found was that people trying to leave corporate America were jumping too soon. They weren't ready. They were, mm -hmm. they thought it was just, oh, I'll just start a business. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. You've got an employee mindset that you have to overcome and you're not even doing the right habits and the right things. And then they end up failing. So they, it's funny. They, they kind of open up the cage, so to speak. They're like, I'm free. I'm free. And then. I'm like, no, you're not. You're free falling because, <laughs> <laughs> right? You're, you haven't even like, so I have a whole, a whole thing. I bring things, I bring people through a journey that I call escaping the rat race mm -hmm. uh, for that purpose. Uh, but let me, I'll give you my story real quick because you asked yeah. about that. So yeah, I grew up as a soldier. I was the good soldier. <laughs> I was like, you know, I did everything I was told to do. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I was the first one in my family to go to college. Um, I got multiple degrees, safe, secure job, which as you know, is no longer safe nor secure anymore. And I climbed the ladder and I don't have a corporate America sob story. I actually was successful. I was multi, multi six figures as an engineer and manager. I had stock options, parking space with my name on it. I was, I was kind of the envy of my friends. I was doing okay. Um, and then one day, everything I thought was right wasn't so right. I realized I just wasn't as happy as I needed to be. I wasn't as wealthy as I wanted to be. And I sure wasn't free. And, you know, freedom nowadays is my favorite F word. 
It was mm -hmm. a different one back in corporate America. And <laughs> I'll let your listeners yeah. guess what that one was. Uh, sure. But I just, something wasn't right. And, and I hate, I don't want to keep going back to the matrix, but I kind of felt like Neo where I was like, something's not right. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but I know I cannot sit in this cubicle. This I called it my gray jail cell because the walls were gray. Mm -hmm. I can't sit here the next 30 years and this is what my life means. Um, and I got to a point where I said to myself, if I'm going to win in life or I'm, I'm going to lose in life, I just want it to be my fault. That's mm. all I ever ask. So if I go off and I left corporate America and I ended up screwing up a bunch of businesses, which I did anyways, but if I ended up like underneath the uh, interstate bridge in a cardboard box because I just didn't do the right thing, I'd sleep like a baby. I'd be just fine with that. With that. What I couldn't do is bust my butt and give my life to a company that would not give me much back in return. And then one day they say, thank you, Josh. I don't, we don't need your services anymore and have yeah. nothing to show for it. So. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, um, my podcast is, is, would have to be class classified as a hobby, uh, at this point in time, because I'm <laughs> still working on the corporate yeah. job and all that. But, uh, you know, I, and I've talked about it before in the show, but you know, I had, I had some friends that really encouraged me to, to, to try and start something like, like mm -hmm. a podcast, but it was at, and, and so that was a huge motivation and I thank them still, but, but it, it really was a day at work where, I had worked really hard on an idea, had spent a lot of time looping in other people and like getting them all on board with the idea. And then we went to the one person that, that's actually a decision maker and they didn't care. And it wasn't personal, yeah. right? It right. wasn't like they hate me or something. You just spin the roulette wheel of corporate life around long enough. And eventually you get to someone who says no to something that you believe is reasonable and, you know, thoughtful. And again, you've put t you know, yourself into, and I got, incredibly upset <laughs> that day and i was yeah. like you know what i'm gonna start the podcast and i don't know if it's gonna go somewhere big or not but i i and it's kind of what you're talking about where it's like i i at least want to have something that i can put my my heart into and no one else can just flippantly be like nah right. we don't you, care it's something you can build and you can own right, right. and here's right. the thing too that that person that said no to you they're also an employee and right. they also go home and they're stressed out and they're probably being underpaid and underappreciated. Mm -hmm. And so we could talk about this a little bit later if you want, but I haven't been offended or angry at a person in years. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't, hasn't happened. Like I, and almost to a fault really. Right. Uh, but when I hear people like that, because I remember them from the corporate days, mm -hmm. I have compassion for them. I just, I feel bad for them because I know they're hurting too. And I know they don't mean to be, buttholes, let's just say, <laughs> but, sure. um, they're, they're doing the best they can with the very little bit they've, they've been given. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the, I mean, you know, and, and this might be way too off the deep end just right away, but <laughs> it's, um, it's kind of like when I look at, yeah, at American politics, for example, mm -hmm. there's all this nuance and there's all this, you know, this person said this and this person said that and whatever. But when I look at it, try and look at it, like, you know, zoom out and look at the whole thing. It constantly just also seems like it's, um, I don't, I don't want to say rich people cause that's not really the right phrasing or, or what I mean, but that the, the, the real power and wealth centers, um, have convinced 
poor people to fight amongst themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So you have like, you have the guy who makes 60,000 that's mad at the guy who makes 30,000 and wants to get a, a food stamp or something. And it's like, you don't deserve a food stamp. And it's like, dude, that maybe that guy's not <laughs> the problem, you know, but, but that's, we've been convinced that, that the, and, and there's all this infighting and I don't mean, you know, to be clear, this isn't like some pitch for Occupy Wall Street or, or anything yeah. like that. That's why I say rich people isn't really what I mean to say either. But just again, like, because it's not just, again, what does rich people mean? Because honestly, the guy who makes six figures or the guy who makes seven figures or whatever still isn't actually the real, the, the wealth center that I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Um, and you know so it's crazy to, to your point, oppression, yeah. especially in a first world country that we live in, oppression most oppression is actually self-oppression. Yeah. It's, and it starts at a very young age and it's conditioning and it's how we're brought up and societal pressures and all that. But we actually oppress ourselves more than anyone oppresses our, us. Yeah. Well, so that's been the thing that I've uncovered the most in this, you know, again, my own work that I've been trying to do on myself to, to frankly, just make myself feel better, right? More than, more than trying to like climb some mountain or something. It's really just the mountain of trying to feel better is where I'm trying, was trying to get to when I started all this. It, it's the, it's the self-doubt stuff and it's, it's learning yeah. to be empathetic for, for yourself, which I'm also finding is a, an onion with many layers. Like I had to learn first to stop just calling myself names and labeling myself. <laughs> right? be, be careful going there because we, we can have a, a three day conversation on that, you know, what, yeah. what do you say when you talk to yourself? I asked people, I said, what do you say when you talk to yourself? And people are like, I don't talk to myself. I'm like, yeah, you do. It's called thinking. The only question right. is, is, is what you say serving you to move forward and move towards a goal or towards something positive? Or is it holding you back? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I have, a, I have one friend in particular who is, has spent a lot of time doing, you know, personal work to try and make himself, again, feel better for lack of a better way to say it. And is an entrepreneur and, and, you know, doesn't live some like high flying life or something, but is generally a pretty grounded person. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be a disconnect often when we, when we talk about how or why we did or didn't accomplish something or went for something or, or whatever. And this is a person who's a very close friend of mine for a long time. So there's not, there's no veneer. We're having very earnest conversations. Right. And, um, and yeah, like, I remember within the last year talking to him one time and saying, do, do, do you not, are you just not mean to yourself? Like, I feel like maybe that's a thing that you don't do. And he didn't really understand what I, he didn't understand what I meant. <laughs> and I yeah. came to find that here's this thing that I've been doing where I, you know, I make a mistake or I don't live up to some expectation that I created myself and then just demonize myself for it. Yeah. And now I've spent all this time doing this demonization and no time actually working on the thing that I wanted to work on, right? Yeah. Um, only to realize that that what I thought was just, well, everyone does this. No, like it's a choice, you know? But you don't see it that way when you're in it. Yeah, well, people ask me like, well, because when I say it, I don't get mad, I don't, um, I don't typically get stressed out, at least not the levels people think of. And they ask, well, how do you do that? I say, well, it's very simple. I ask myself this question, and this is one of the greatest questions I think you can ask yourself is, does it serve me? Does it serve me? If it served me, so they're like, well, why don't you get mad? Well, because last time I got mad, it didn't, nothing great came out of it. Right. It, it, it didn't work out. But, or I, or I tell people I, have, I don't have bad days. I literally just, get, I gave it up. 
I said, I used to have bad days, but they never worked out. So I just stopped having them. Right. And people are like, they look at me weird. Like, what do you mean you just stopped having them? Like, as if having control over your attitude and your actions and your behaviors and your self-talk and all those things, as if that's something so far above and beyond anyone's capability. But that's the lie we were told. And, and that's a shame that we shirk our greatness so quickly and early in life. interesting because I, I uh, this was years ago I was having a discussion with a friend but I was talking about um, the idea of you know the, the simplest way to say it is thoughts control feelings but another way would be perception dictates reality right but whatever you perceive to be real whether it's true or not is actually not relevant is very much real right um, and to me that's in, that that can be empowering because you can change your perception, so now you can change your reality. But this person said, that sounds depressing because then it means everything's my fault. <laughs> and I thought... Oh, well, so that's very interesting. To see. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that for a second because there's fault and there's responsibility and they're not right. the same thing. Mm -hmm. Every, everything is not your fault, that's for sure. But everything should be and could be your responsibility. And that's okay because that means you have the ability to change it. Because we get caught up in fault way too easy. Like, well, whose fault is it? Or it's not my fault it rained. You're right. It's not your fault that it's raining. But if you go out and you get wet because you don't take an umbrella with you, that it's your responsibility to have an umbrella or to right. be able to, you know, get into your car or wear clothes that if you they get wet, it doesn't ruin your entire day. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's a... I just, in fact, I just wrote something on this actually. Um, the four levels, I call it the um, addiction, addiction to life. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I could try and do it by um, memory here, but other, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to, yeah. I'm probably going to screw up if I don't pull it up. But it was something like, uh, it's your fault is the lowest level. I call it negative, it's level um, negative three. And it's your fault. And the person who says that is called the victim. Mm. It's my fault, right? That's level negative two. And the person who says that, um, uh, it's called the insecure. Mm. I call that person the insecure when you say it's my fault. Then there's a level negative one, which is it's your responsibility. And that's called the, um, the person who says that is the righteous. Mm. when you want to pass the buck, right? And right. then the, the high level, the zero, level zero, is um, it's my responsibility, and that person is called the free. Mm. I love that you did that with a, with, with a, a negative number being... On purpose. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, so, so without me jumping to conclusions, will you explain why you organized it that way? Because I have my own thoughts. Absolutely. I'm curious. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. In fact, I, I made a little meme out of it. I, I posted it on my page, but it's got a um, an elevator and it has negative three through zero on the mm -hmm. little scale. Um, <laughs> nice. So zero is free, right? The free person says it's my responsibility and freedom. People think freedom is the ultimate. It's not. Freedom is the beginning. Mm. Freedom is just your first opportunity to start because freedom is self-control. That's all freedom is. Right. It's just doing what you want, when you want, how you want, why you want, with whom you want, right? That's, that's what freedom, that's the beginning of life. If you're anything less than free, you're not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot if you're in the victim or the righteous or the, um, the insecure mode. So, right. Well, so what it made me think of, I, 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 I feel so corny with you. I'm doing all these matrix jokes and I, I and like, and now I'm going to get, hey, I love the it. matrix. Go for it. I love it. Let's go. Let's <laughs> well, go. <laughs> it's, it makes me think of martial arts because in, in martial arts, most people that aren't in martial arts, which I myself am not, but, but most people think that a black belt is the master. Like a black belt is like yeah. the thing that you attain and then you're done right now you've learned it. Yeah. But actually the way it's looked at is that that is exactly as you just described, like that's zero. That like now you can right. start. Um, and to some extent we see it in academics. They don't, they don't label it this way, but like if you get your master's degree, well, that's because it, it, typically at least you wrote some sort of thesis where you actually contributed a thought or an idea to the thing that you're operating in. And now you're able to go forward and actually pursue that. Whereas prior to that, you're, you're just a, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to use an overly negative word because it's not the point. But oh, okay, you're, you're learning how to wipe your own butt. How about that? There Let's you go. It. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I mean, it, but it, it, anyway, I don't mean to keep going example over example. I think we get it. But it's just a that's a really interesting way to look at things in, in a way that people um, don't often want to frame things, or maybe want isn't the right word. But but whatever, people don't frame things because they want everything to be this like achievement and like once you achieve x now you're done and it just doesn't seem to go that way no and that's a really good point and you know sometimes a lot of times actually i get asked what is success you know especially when i go talk to schools and, and i talk to kids and they're like well what is what is success or what is happiness mm -hmm. um and my best definition I can, I can come up with is it's basically a it's the journey you go on from where you are to where you want to be as long as you're moving closer to the person you're meant to become, the person you're supposed to be in life that you determine, if you're moving closer to that, that process is happiness. See, happiness is a state of being. People think happiness is a thing. Like you're gonna go to move to Mexico and find happiness. I'm gonna go get my next soulmate and find happiness. You're not gonna find happiness. It's a, it's a state of being. It's like trying to find health. You can't find health. You can't just suddenly one day be healthy. Now you can make healthy choices, and over right. a long period of time, you could become healthy, but healthy is a state of being. Healthy is not a choice. You can make healthy choices that help you achieve that state of being. So I see success and happiness the same way. You can make choices that bring success and that bring happiness, but ultimately it's a state of being. So it's nothing you can just do overnight. You can't just, because people say, well, I'm, I didn't have, a, I'm not happy today. I'm like, no, what you mean is you don't have joy today. And that's fine because that's an emotion. Happiness is not an emotion. It's just, it's your way of being and either you're there or you're not there or you're somewhere in the middle, right? You're in that transition. Right. Yeah. I was talking to a friend one time and he, he was saying how the analogy he used was that like, 
say you as an individual are on 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 a bank and then in between you or in front of you in front of that bank is a river and on the other side of that river is happiness and we were discussing like i think we were discussing different like counseling things versus like mm-hmm. like drugs for mental health and and i'm not trying to advocate one way or the other on that necessarily other than though that, that so he was like well and i was i was kind of advocating more personal development type things and like changing the way that you think right and and he was like well maybe happiness is on the other side of the river and you could change the way you think and that's one way you could cross the river or maybe you could like meditate and get spiritual and that could could take you across the river to happiness or maybe maybe in some cases people do need the assistance of of medications or whatever and, and that's the thing that gets them over there and that was kind of my response to him was I was like, you know, I don't know that happiness is a destination. I think yeah. that I think that actually that the river in that analogy might actually be the happiness and that to pursue happiness, like the act of pursuing happiness is actually to be happy versus mm-hmm. this thing that you get to. Yeah, um, you know, the first the first thing I have people do when I coach them, one mm-hmm. of the first things I always ask them the same questions like, what do you want from life? Like, what the heck do you want? And most people can't answer that question. Right. And I asked him, I said, so if you don't know what you want, if you don't know the destination, how do you know you're even getting there? And they, and they like, oh, you're right. So maybe that's because if you're not progressing towards something that you truly want, there's no chance for that, any kind of level of happiness. So one of the first exercises I have people do is I have them write their eulogy. Mm, I have them write their wow. ideal eulogy. Like, and I want <laughs> details. This is the, my yeah. legacy. This is what my life meant. Here's who's here's the people I impacted directly. And here's what they said about me before they met me. And after they met me, here's who's giving the eulogy. Here's how many people are lined up here. Like we have it completely detailed out. And then I say, okay, now, you know, your final destination. Now, every decision you make should go back to that question. Does it get me closer to having this ideal eulogy read at my funeral or does it not? Mm-hmm. And knowing that destination now you're allowing yourself to be happy as long as you're moving closer to it. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I don't, well, and, and, you know, and so something that we've, you know, has come up vaguely so far in our talking, but, but, but I, but I think is important to say is that it's really popular, um, to talk about life coaching, right. And mental Mm -hmm. health even is, is, is becoming almost kind of um, know, flavor of the month or something, which I don't mean that in a dismissive way. And I'm really glad that it is because I think we're really far away on mental health from yeah. where we are in physical health, for example, right? <laughs> Not that that's unique to me, that thought, but just clearly, right? Um, so it's good that it's becoming less and less stigmatized and more and more normalized. However, the things that are taught in that not that they're not universally true but I, I guess what i'm trying to get to is that people think that want to separate a conversation about health and happiness and feeling good and all of that and and a conversation about money and wealth and they want to put those in two different categories one thing mm-hmm. is about finding your real self and another thing is about materialism right yep and I don't think that I agree with that either. Now, I think that, I mean, certainly the pursuit of money or wealth could be that, but in my thoughts about it, 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 it's more actually just the word that you keep using is freedom. It's another 
way to have more freedom in your own life, more so than it is to have the newest car or the newest vacation or the newest clothes or whatever things people think about when they think about conversations about money. Like it, it doesn't have, it's not, it's not just about the glitz and the glamor of it. Right. Or or the set, the selling of things. Right. 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 And, uh, you know, I have to, a lot of times I say this and people, they get a little, little offended or they just don't understand, but I say, no one has a money problem. Nobody, not a single person has a money problem. And I explain it like this. Um, take, take body fat, for example. There's people that have more body fat than they want and right, and they don't like it and they want to change it and that's fine. But do those folks that have too much body fat, is that a body fat problem? Or is that just the effect of a cause of maybe poor diet, poor level of exercise, lifestyle, right? right? So the problem isn't the body fat. See, the body fat is the, is the measurement. The body fat is the indicator that there's something else not right. Mm-hmm. Money is identical to body fat. Money is just the indicator. Is Are you doing the right things? Or are you not doing the right things to amass money? And right. so it, it's a mindset. So if, if you think the right way, so it's based on your, your, your behaviors, your thoughts, how you see money, because most of us, believe it or not, we're raised to hate money. Mm-hmm. We're brought up to hate money. A hundred percent. How many things? I mean, I didn't even grow up religious, and my my yeah. family would tell me that the money is the devil, and they don't even believe in the devil yeah. technically, right? Like, <laughs> we don't go to church, but yet we're going to still assign this supernatural quality to it. Well, that's right? exactly a great one. Money's root of all evil is a fantastic one. How about money can't make you happy? Money isn't important. Money isn't everything. Rich people are mean. Uh, I've got a bunch <laughs> of them. I do a whole class on money myths. I got all yeah. these lined up, man. Which one do you want? <laughs> But here's right. the thing. So if, if we have such disdain for money, if we hate money, like if someone hated you, are you going to hang around them too much? No, right. Of course no. not, right? We're not going to hang around people that hate us. So if we hate money, isn't any wonder why money doesn't want to hang around us? Because money just wants to be appreciated, loved, taken care of, used properly. It just wants to, it wants the same, same level of respect that we want. But we hate it. We absolutely hate money on a subconscious right. level to start with some of us even on a conscious level, but definitely subconsciously that's how we're raised. Right. And it's a shame. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and that's why the reason I brought it up and again, tying it back together, you know, like I'd said before, I've had some life coaches on the podcast. I've had, mm-hmm. uh, we just had an episode with a guy who, who does personal finance coaching. And honestly, like, his biggest thing is just trying to convince people to budget, right? Like he's not, (laughs) it's not like some huge high flying program that he's got. He's really just trying to explain to people the importance of budgeting, which speaks to what you're talking about, where it's, it's a little habit that over a long term has significance, right? Now I spent, I spent years in the financial industry. So I am, I know a lot about money more than what I'm supposed to know (laughs) from (laughs) from every, every angle, believe it or not. Um, But it's, what's interesting is when we, when we talk about budget, uh, there's two parts to budget. There's two parts because budget's about cash flow. So there's two parts to cash flow. There's income and there's outgo. And I see a lot of emphasis on the outgo. Well, you got to control your expenses and you got to this, this, this. You know what conversation we don't have in schools or we're not taught by anyone is income side. How to actually make money. Right. We're taught to get a job and just take it, you know, Take it, take it where you take it, right? It's good enough, but we're not taught how to actually make money in a system, a capitalistic system that 
there's literally no limit on how much money you can make. There's an infinite supply of money out there right now. Infinite. Right. Yeah, as evidenced by the the stimulus packages we've seen in the last <laughs> two yeah. months here. Months, money right? gets, yeah, money gets created all the time. So, I mean, really, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally created, yeah, out of thin air. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, the biggest the biggest money myth I used to get told when I was growing up, every time I asked for something, my parents would say, you know, Josh, money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> that was like the number one thing I was like. And I'm like, I'm not a complete idiot. I know money doesn't grow on trees. But then I found out that they were lying in every aspect. Number one, it actually grows on trees because money is made from linen and it's cotton. So right. it literally grows on trees. And then it's so abundant. There's more dollars than there are leaves that it might as well grow on trees. So that was a right. lie in every aspect. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I found that out. Like, what the right, heck? right. No, I mean, that's fair. Um well, and so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explore these ideas again of, of just how a person feels better. And I just think that, that, that managing a person's financial life is just as important as managing your physical health and just as important as managing your mental, your mental health. Yeah. And that's because that's because it directly impacts it. I mean, I've, you know, I've been broke and been worried about how am I going to pay for this unexpected expense that just came up. And that weight is real. Like you can't get away from that feeling when that's on your mind. You know what I mean? Versus, let me give you, let me give you a different word. Because people say like, well, you know, what, what, what does everyone want? I think there is literally one thing everybody wants. And that goes back to my F word of freedom. Only in the sense of self-control. See, if you, you said the word manage, like being able to manage expenses or manage this or manage your health. Um, mm -hmm. But what if you had full control over that? To where like if something's not right you knew you can change it there was no question about it would that put you at peace would that be like a level of i mean just having that control wouldn't that be peaceful and stress-free almost and you would you would almost have to be happy right yeah well I, but i mean and i think that that's obvious in i mean if i need to go if if uh, i'm talking about myself of course I'm not trying to belittle people's situations but if I need to go to the mailbox and get the mail, I have two good working legs and I'm confident in my yeah. ability to walk out there. So I don't even have to consider it now. Now it's just, I'm going to get the mail. It's not a problem I have to solve, even though technically it is right. Like if and you I don't, and you don't stress over getting the mail, I assume, except right. maybe their bills, but that outside of that, you don't stress on actually the journey to the mailbox. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that's, well, and yeah, and that's, that's my point is that whenever you can have complete, um, confidence in your ability to handle a situation, it's immediately demonstrated to not, to not have that weight right now. Now it's almost something that you can make a routine or a habit and you don't even have to think about it anymore. It just, it's just a thing that's <laughs> just floating there on the side, you know? And that's the basis of what I do. Cause you see what you're talking about is identity. I have a freedom equation. People think they, they know the first two parts of the freedom equation, which is money and time. You got to mm. have money and time. Uh, which is true, but there's a third piece that I had to add on because no one seemed to be talking about it enough. And it's called identity or self-worth or self-belief. Yes. That's the one thing that lets you keep the money and the time, the other two. And the freedom equation is the product of the three. So if any one of those three goes to zero, if your money goes to zero or your time goes to zero or your identity goes to zero, so goes your freedom. Yeah. So I've, 
in in my learning that I've been doing in this last year, I've come across a lot of techniques, right? Everyone's got different techniques for how to do whatever. The guy I talked to yeah. about personal finance has his own method for how you budget versus if you go use Mint, that's a different way to budget. I'm, you know, ultimately it's still budgeting, but right. different techniques. The reason I keep that I'm, I'm going in on it like that is that I've kind of come to the conclusion, which I think is what you just said, basically, that not that techniques aren't valuable and not that, that you know, some techniques are going to click with some individuals and, and then a different technique clicks with a different individual. And there is a lot of value in that. So I'm not just diminishing techniques, but it seems like the thing that really is missing is, is yeah, it's, it's, it's a person's belief that they actually could change or overcome or deal with that situation. Like I have a person that I won't name, but that's very close to me that suffers from severe depression. And I have spent so much time. And I even went to see a counselor to talk about this other person's depression, right? Like not wow. even my own, just trying to, well, cause it's like, I care a lot about this person. I want to help, you know, but I, I have never been able to. And it's, it, it, what I found is that it's because I can bring all the techniques in the world and it doesn't matter because none of those techniques work if they don't believe. And that's the thing that I don't know how to solve. Like, I don't know how to inspire or convince or whatever word you want to use another person to believe in themselves, which is on the one hand, like fundamentally a, a thing that only they can control and something that on the one hand can seem easy, but on the other hand, can, it's like an ocean away. You know what I mean? So one of the things that a lot of times when people get depressed and hopeless, one of the things they say is I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. And one of the techniques I like to use just to start the conversation is, okay, you have to, first of all, you agree with them, right? Okay, you, you can't ride a bike. I got it. You can't ride a bike. But you know what? If you had to, if you had to, and I mean, you really had to, like your family got kidnapped and you either ride that bike or your family's gone or there's a gun to your head, something like that level of seriousness. If you had to, how would you? And you'd be surprised right. how many times people are like, well, if I had to, I suppose... I could go on and you know, get a book on how to ride a bike. I guess I can hop on one and like scrape a few knees. I guess I, and they start coming with ideas and all of a sudden the, I can't ride a bike goes to shoot, maybe I can. Right. And they start seeing things a little different. Um, but you're right. If you don't start with that belief or the desire, right? If you don't have that belief in yourself or the desire to do something, it doesn't matter what technique, it doesn't matter. So something that I wrestled with for a long time is this idea of willpower. Mm -hmm. And 
how does a person build it or how does they how do they control it or how they lose control of it or whatever and i kind of came to a conclusion that i don't actually know if i believe really in willpower yeah. because <laughs> everyone does what they want even if even if your entire life is philanthropic and all you do is donate time and money and resources yeah. to other people's well-being at the end of the day you're still doing it because it makes you feel a certain way that you want to feel right That's right and and so we'll use the word selfish but that has a lot of negative connotation but that's just a, a semantics problem because all actions are so i mean literally every single action a person could take is selfish at the end of the day yeah now, selfish again maybe is a bad word because of the connotations but ultimately that's what it is so is there really willpower because no one's doing something that they don't want to do i'm, I'm with you on this i don't i'm not a big believer <laughs> in willpower right um, not not in the colloquial sense there's there's beyond this conversation there's there's other meanings of will that sure. uh, we can explore but i would i would i would say a different a better word maybe is why power mm. why yep. power if you don't have a why if you don't have a reason a motive to do something you're not going to do it right um i don't care how great it is or easy it is it doesn't matter there's got to be a reason why one of my favorite questions to ask people is like why did you wake up this morning why did you get out of bed yeah. people, they, again they don't know they're like i the alarm went off i got tired of laying down i'm like was there nothing else in life was there no other reason right um to, to do this especially younger kids i find that with younger kids they just don't even know why they exist they don't know their purpose they they yeah like, they're eating Tide Pods, man. Come on, like and they're 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 taking the cinnamon challenge and whatever the latest thing is. I don't know. Right, uh, right. Well, so I mean, I guess in in your work, ha have you do you feel and and maybe this is the entire point of your whole business. So fair enough. But I mean, do you feel like you've cracked that code at all? Have you been able to? Are you able to help people find that belief in themselves or define a why that they otherwise don't see in front of them? Believe it or not, that's actually something I'm fairly good at. One thing, one of my talents is asking the right questions. Mm. What I found was coaches that try to tell me what to do, I always push back. But when I have found a coach that can ask the right questions, because here's the thing, if you tell someone something, they're probably gonna get defensive. If they don't automatically agree with it. Right. If you ask the right questions and it's their idea, suddenly right. it's the truth. Suddenly it's now they're open to it. Um, so right. it's, it's just asking the right questions because I believe, here's what I believe. I believe we all have the right answers. We're not struggling because we're stupid. Our society is not stupid. We are very, very intelligent people. And I mean, everybody, right? Here's why we struggle. We struggle because um, we're not asked, we struggle because of ignorance. We struggle because we're making decisions based on the wrong information or not enough information. So we're not stupid. That's not why we struggle. We struggle because we're making poor decisions. And so if I can open up the, again, going back to the matrix, if I can open up all the options and show you like, here's the truth, here's everything. Right. If I give you all the information about something that's important to you, I know for a fact you would make the right decision for you and your family. I have no doubt about it. Right. So if we're making bad decisions, it's because we're, we have bad information or old programming or poor beliefs or all this other stuff that we're, condition to believe right right yeah no i think that all makes um i mean obviously that all all makes a, a, a ton of sense so some of the, a couple of the words that you've used like rat race is probably the one that jumped out at me the most yeah are you someone that's read kiyosaki like rich dad poor dad okay. yeah yeah rich dad poor dad cash flow quadrant is another yep. favorite of mine 
I'm actually working on a book right now, and it's kind of a little on the back burner. It's about 80% done, but I don't know how long, how much longer it's going to take me. It's, uh, <laughs> it's Maslow on money. And what I'm doing is I'm taking Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, if you're familiar with that. Uh -huh. um, and I'm putting it in terms of money. So like, what is the equivalent of, of safety and security or, or physiological needs? What's the base that we're not building properly? Because I started writing this out and I realized we're 180 degrees out. We're literally building this pyramid on its tip, on its point. And mm -hmm. so I have, I'm writing this book and I think it's, I think it's, I'm, I'm calling it the Kiyosaki killer only because this is one of my affirmations. I think it's sure. going to, he sold like 30 million books. I think this one can actually exceed it. Yeah. I think this is going to be so life-changing in the way we look at money and it's using Maslow, which is one of my heroes from the 20th century. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, anyways, I don't know how I got off on that, but no, you're, I asked you if you, if you were familiar with Kiyosaki, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Just because you, you said rat race. And so cash flow quadrant, rich dad, poor dad, probably his most famous book. Cash flow quadrant is a book that's kind of a sequel to that. Yeah. Um, but that's also the name of the board game that he made. Is it is. Flow. And I've played that a lot. I've actually, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. whole point of the game is to escape the rat race. So that's right. That's, yeah. <laughs> now I do use rat race though. When I say rat race, I use it in a, a more broad sense in the, my definition of rat race is any endless, pointless, self-defeating cycle that we end up in, whether it be our money, our health, our career, uh, could be job-based, but it's anything that we're, we're on the treadmill of life and we're just sweating and hurting and running and getting beat up and all this stuff, but we're not going anywhere. Right. That's, that's the rat race for me. Yeah, no, that's... That's a that's a, a, a good definition of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, to, to kind of circle back to what we were talking about before, like I said, you know, it's it, the the hierarchy that you had shared with us earlier. That's the, you know, zero or ne excuse me, negative three through zero. Yeah. Where zero is is freedom. Right. And that's just the, the starting point. And in the 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 steps escalating up to that are all which it's funny that, that my fault is actually negative two and not negative one right or excuse me or you think it was yeah because it starts with your fault so the, the, yeah the victim, someone else's fault. yeah right right and then it's my fault but that's still that's just insecurity and then your your responsibility putting on someone else and then ultimately my responsibility yeah so i had spoken earlier about how there's these kind of layers of um of learning how to be empathetic to myself i guess that i'm coming across and something else that I've, I've learned, I guess, is just me. It's not just self-empathy, but there's just there's layers to, to everything. And it's incredible how often um, the same <laughs> the same lessons have to be learned again and again. Right. <laughs> like like the, the one I keep encountering, which, again, it made me think of it based on your your little hierarchy there is that it's the when you point one finger out, there's three pointing back at you. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right? Like yeah. I, I constantly find myself facing that again and again, not just in the, the most overt context of like blaming someone for something else, but like maybe even I do something for someone else and that resonates with me, but I don't really understand why. Cause it's not something that I'm necessarily really proud of. I mean, not that I'm ashamed of it either, but it's just, it wasn't that big of a deal, but for some reason it resonates. And then, you know, like in working with my coach, she might say, well, maybe that's because you need to learn to apply that lesson to yourself. Like the way you interacted with that other person, even if it was a good thing, like hmm. maybe you need to treat yourself that way. And it's just like, Oh man, I, <laughs> here we are again with the, the one out three back, you know? Yeah. So I say that also, I, I guess my point with that being that 
you know, it, it can it can sound um, simple and, and intellectually it is to to listen to these kinds of conversations and, and hear these kinds of ideas. And it, it sounds like it's this straight line, but it's often not right. Like often you're going to learn the same thing again and you're going to you're going to have mastery, you think, over <laughs> over an idea in one context and then go to another context and that same mastery would work, but you don't see it that way right away. Right. And so then yeah. you have to again, learn kind of how to apply these things more broadly. But isn't, isn't, isn't struggle the beauty of life though? Isn't this process where we, even if we think we have it figured out, we really don't. And life kind of forces us to relearn it or to learn it in a different way. Isn't right. that the beautiful part of life? Cause without that, what is there? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. Well, and and if you think about it, I mean, anytime anyone's happy, w- whether it be um, something trivial or or something significant, the, if a person has to to either earn or or maybe not, maybe earn, just be patient for something, right? Yeah. Then the reward of it is so much more significant. Whether that be you're a little kid. Like if you're a little kid who only gets to go to Disneyland, you know, three times in their childhood, that trip to Disneyland is crazy. If you're a kid who can go every six months, it's cool, but it's not, you know, and that's not even because you earned it because your parents are are likely the ones footing that bill, but just simply the, the anticipation of it, the, the learning to be patient about it. Um, yeah, definitely adds weight to things. Right. Yeah. And that goes back. I'm a big fan of nature in general. And I, I do courses like on like farmer's mentality, I call it, because we've, we're really straying away from that in the sense of, um, you know, you, you sow, then you reap, right? You right. sow, then you reap. But so many of us, we want to reap before we even sow the seed. And like, right. it doesn't work that way. And then you reap what you sow. A lot of people are planting banana seeds and they're expecting pineapples. Like, well, that's right. probably not going to happen either. And then the delay <laughs> between sowing and reaping. And then there's the, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I, this is going to sound weird. I, I've got a lot of weird thoughts. Most I can't share here, but <laughs> I, I believe if, if your, if your kid isn't earning money or isn't understanding how to earn money by the time they're two years old, they're behind the curve. And here's huh. what I mean. It could be like, draw, draw, do a little crayon drawing for grandpa and grandpa will give you a quarter. It's starting to understand that if I could provide value to the world, I deserve compensation in return. And that's how it works. So if I right. plant seeds, I should have a harvest, right? That's nature. That's how it works. Right. But we give, we give our kids, we literally, so we, we, we cripple our kids. We carry them for 18 years. We give them things without any, without having them to pay the price at all. And we, it's almost like we're physically carrying. I want you to imagine like physically carrying your kid for 18 years. And their legs don't work anymore. They're literally atrophied, right? They can't walk. And then 18 years old, you're like, hey, you're an adult now. Here you go. By the way, life's a marathon. Go run. Right. And, they're, and they're looking. They're like, I've never used my legs before. I can't. Right. I don't know what to do. And this is how. This is what we do to our, our children. Um, so, sorry, something you said just kind of made me think about that. But Yeah, no, uh, it's great. I, I really believe kids should be understanding the value or how to create value and get compensated in return um even as young as two years old and then eventually it goes into like a paper route and then 
um, lemonade stand, things like that. And well, I think that the word that you use there, though, is actually the the key word, and that word is value. It's yeah. it's it's getting away from thinking of the money as the 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 cornerstone of all of that, right? And instead, it's a value exchange, That's and it. money is just one way that value is represented. That's it. Because right? that so, money ultimately can be used to get something else. It should a goal should never be money. And this what I do. I do goal crushing courses. That's one of the things I'm actually um, promoting right now is a goal crushing course. But I don't believe money is a goal. Never. I would never set money, a dollar amount as a goal. And that's a little different than a lot of other folks, because ultimately money is not the goal. If money is your goal, it, it, there's got to be something behind it. There's got to be a reason you want the money. Tell me you want the house. That's fine. Tell me you want the car. You want to give your kids tuition to college. You want to retire your mom. OK, those are goals but not the money. The money's the tool. The money's just the avenue to get you to those goals. Right, right. No one wants to build a house and says like, man, I really want to own a hammer. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, right? Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so Josh, um, if people are, are more interested in, in, in learning more from you, working with you, interacting with your community, where do they go? To, to find that simplest way is broke is no joke.org or anywhere on social media. If you see either my name, Josh Zeppis or broke is no joke. It's me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Easiest way. Um, well, I will, I, and of course in the show notes and everything, we'll have links to your, your website and your social media and that sort of stuff. Um, I really can't thank you enough for, for agreeing to, to come and, and join me today and have this conversation. Um, I know we had some scheduling snafus before, so I yeah, I apologize for that. That was that was all my fault. Oh, no, no, it's all it's totally good. I, I wasn't worried about it at all. Um, honestly, especially and you know, hopefully, I can carry this <laughs> um, more reasonable position out of this pandemic scenario. But you know, I've had and I've had a few situations like that come up, and with this COVID nineteen stuff going on, honestly, my thought is just like, man, I hope they're okay. You know what I mean? Like, I hope the person's okay if something happens because. You just don't know. So, um, so that's yeah, a, not a, by the way, that's an excellent point because um, I, I live in Florida here and Florida is notorious for road rage. And when mm. I was in corporate America and my negative, skeptical, uh, terrible mindset I was in back then, like I would get road rage really bad. And yeah. then someone, someone, someone says something to me. And I think this is, I just want to share this with you and this, this could be it. Please. Someone says something to me that changed my entire perspective. And he says, Okay, so that person cuts you off and you're pissed off, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what if that person was rushing their mom to the hospital because she just had a heart attack on the kitchen floor? What if their kid cut off an arm and they're rushing that kid to the hospital? Do you know for a fact that's not the case? Because my assumption was always they're a butthole. They're just trying. Right. They're just trying to cut in line. They just want to get ahead of traffic, get to work before I do. We never mind. We both hate our jobs, but they just want to get there first, like. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Go. At that point, I was like, anyone wants to pass me? No problem. No, no, right. no. I, I don't get upset. Nothing like that. And I just assume the best. And that's that. And that this is the lesson I learned. Assume the best of people. They may be assholes. Excuse me. They may be buttholes anyway. No, you're fine. <laughs> right. They, they, they no, might end up great. being jerks. Okay. But yeah. why not assume the best? Why not assume that they were genuinely making a mistake or there, or assume that they did not intend harm. 
Right. And I take that approach everywhere in life now. If someone cancels on me, if I have an appointment and something happens, I assume maybe something was bad. Maybe something went wrong. Maybe they have an emergency. I hope they're okay, um, but I'm not going to take offense to it. Right, right. No, it's actually uh, didn't mean to, didn't think it would go here at all, but it's a, that's a, that's a, a nice throwback to one of my original episodes uh, here on The Walk Show uh, that I titled Tap the Brakes, where I mm. one afternoon was bored and <laughs> sat and watched road rage videos on YouTube. I had no idea that was even a thing that you could watch on YouTube. I didn't know that either. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, compilations, of which I don't recommend. It's not really that good. But it was just, it was remarkable because it was scene after scene of honestly not that big of a deal, things happening, and then people just going nuts. Yeah. And it was just like, you don't have to do that. Like, you don't, like, that. And then, like you can just tap the brakes. Like, you could get really mad that they cut you off, or you can just tap the brakes and then live the rest of your life where you still don't know that person. Well, and think <laughs> about what it did to their oh, entire okay. day. Think about how it screwed up their entire day. So they just, they literally just killed their entire day. Because it, it right. happens in the morning on the way to work. You, your yeah. day is over, and it's it's crazy. It's not, is that worth it? See, it goes back to, does it serve yes. you? Is it worth it? And to me, that's <laughs> right. not worth it. Right. Um, well, Josh, again, I really, really appreciate your time. Brokersnojoke.org. Um, yeah, folks can find you there. We'll, we'll also have uh, links in the show notes. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for your time, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Alright folks, well that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much Josh Zeppis for stopping by the show. Again, brokeisnojoke.org is the website. We'll have links to it of course in the show notes as well. Uh, also again, thank you Misha for providing the music for the show. And of course, thank you listener for listening to the episode today. I'll also invite you to listen to my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by myself and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast all about video games, but instead of just news and reviews or current events, we really try and dive into why gaming matters and look at the emotional connection we have with video games. 
Uh, if you enjoy long-form discussions and video games, and I definitely welcome you to, to check it out. I think it'll be right up your alley. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks everywhere podcasts are listened to. As always, really appreciate your time. Have a great week. Stay up.